timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way down top. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Welcome back to The Playbook, a podcast all about the NBA and a part of the All Indie Sports Network. I'd like to start off, as usual, with a thanks to our title sponsor, Jack Brown Videography, the best wedding videographer in Louisville, Indianapolis, and beyond. Um, but as usual, for this podcast, I'm your host, Sal, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. How are you, Sal? Fantastic. Um, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a good week for basketball, and the conference finals have started. Uh, but more importantly, I think this episode we're going to be talking a lot about the draft lottery that went down, um, and that was just a day after we released our last episode. Um, so picks 1 through 14 were revealed, and uh, we're going to kind of reveal or recap the order and kind of how we feel about each of these teams placing where they are and what it means for their franchises. Um, we're just going to pull up the actual draft lottery order right now so what happened was the magic ended up winning getting the first overall pick then we are followed by the thunder rockets kings pistons pacers blazers pelicans spurs washington wizards knicks thunder again hornets and Cavs. um and we're going to jump into uh what we think uh each team should kind of look at at least the ones that are in the top like 10 um or just notable things that we have on our minds. Um, Mark, what do you think about the Magic winning the draft lottery? Of course, the Magic won the draft lottery where there's premier bigs available at the number one spot. I mean, what, they've got Shaq and Dwight already at the number one, so now they've got another potential great center on the line, right? I mean, I think the number one pick, I know, I know it's been not as clear-cut as previous years, but I still think... If you take anyone other than Chet, you are making a big mistake. Um, he's got the highest ceiling out of any of the three guys, really, and I don't think anyone's considering anyone outside of the Chet, Jabari, uh, Paolo, but uh, Chet has the highest ceiling. I think he's, I think uh, he was kind of limited at Gonzaga just based off how that team played, and I think he's a much better shot creator than he got to show off. I mean, based off, just not based off what we saw in high school before he went ended up a bulldog, right? Gonzaga Bulldogs, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a clear-cut one. Um, but I don't know how I feel about that in Orlando. Uh, I mean, they've already got Mo Bamba and uh, Wendell. Mo isn't really much of an issue. And honestly, Wendell is probably a pretty good center to pair next to next to Chet, who's definitely going to be a four in the NBA long-term. Um, but... I mean, I guess hopefully this can help get the best out of Jalen Suggs, who has had a, a disappointing start to his NBA career, to say the least. And um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's interesting, but kind of disappointing. I mean, to add on to that Jalen Suggs thing you mentioned, uh, Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs do have a lot of history together, playing together, uh, played throughout high school together. I think they won two two championships together, I believe, or in high school, something like that. But I know one of them left before they were able to win three in a row. Um, but they obviously have chemistry, and I'm sure uh, the Magic are likely to take him first. Uh, 
Uh, I, I can't see Paulo going first. I think it's either Jabari or Chet. But, um, yeah, and then you have the Thunder and the Rockets are next. But it looks like you have something to add here. So, uh, Just to add on about Chet again, I mean, I totally forgot about this, but Jonathan Isaac actually kind of messes everything up in a way because he's definitely not an NBA 3. Uh, he just doesn't have the actual basketball ability to be a three like he can't really dribble he's not a shot creator or anything i mean defensively he'll be fine i'm sure assuming he can get healthy in the first place but um yeah that kind of messes up the fit even more in orlando but uh the second pick uh oklahoma just based off from a couple people that i've talked to they're pretty unhappy with uh or, or not unhappy but disagreed with how i was saying that I'm fairly confident they'll end up taking Jabari. Uh, Jabari makes the most sense alongside Giddy and Shea. Um, I can't, like, the Paolo fit just doesn't make a lot of sense because Paolo is, needs a lot more of the ball than Jabari ever will. Uh, Jabari is a tough shot maker and potential, like, all-defense all type player. Uh, he's got crazy length, crazy just ability to read the, the read, read offenses. Offenses is... <laughs> um but yeah he he's gonna be a really cool player for them uh at number two i can't really i can't really imagine why they would take paulo to be honest especially with the ceiling that uh jabari has and how they're really going on a more long-term route in terms of how they're rebuilding yeah i like this fit for the thunder um i think that like any of these guys in the top three every team's walking away with a guy that's going to be big for their future uh long term and um Next, you have your favorite team, the Houston Rockets, who didn't fall out of the top three. And before the draft, you were saying, as long as they get in the top three, I'll be satisfied. I know, obviously, you always want that number one, but uh, at least you hit in the top three uh, and looking like you're going to get a guy to pair with Jalen Green. So uh, hopefully that can help out Jalen Green more, uh, I guess, with the... I don't know, he doesn't really have a big man that he can, like run a two-man game with right it's like kj martin right is that their four or sengun <laughs> screw christian wood i already I, I don't consider christian wood a rocket really anymore i don't know why but like i don't think he's gonna be there much longer um but yeah since you're the rockets fan let's uh hear your opinions on this uh yeah like you said i would have been pretty happy anywhere in the top three um, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm good with three, to be honest, as long as Oklahoma take Jabari as well, because Jabari is the one out of the three I wanted the least. Um, yeah, sucks finishing worst in the bottom of the NBA two years straight and then falling from the first pick twice, but whatever, it's no big deal. Um, last year was a big deal though, because ended up with Jalen Green instead of Cade Cunningham, but, uh, I'm okay with Paolo and, and instead of Chet. Um, yeah, I think Paulo, I think he can be probably the focal point that you build an offense around for, for the Rockets, at least for the future. And, um, but I am worried about how much of a null he, he will be on defense because I remember in high school, his defense was already kind of like iffy. I mean, it's just the lack of effort. And then in college, it just totally disappeared. It looks like he just, when he, the ball was not in his team's hands he just was not on the court pretty much and um i feel like one of the problems is with the rockets is that they're so bad that like 
he's just going to get stuck in that, and I don't think he'll that'll really change. And that's a pretty big issue. I mean, it depend obviously it depends on how good of an offensive player he can become. But if he's such a big null on defense, then I mean, you might run into the question of is it worth keeping him on the court in certain situations, which obviously you don't ever want to run into with your third overall pick. But um, I think he's got huge potential on offense. Big shot creator, big shot maker, underrated playmaking potential. The two-man game between him and Jalen Green, I think, is really exciting. Even with like backdoor cuts, or not even just backdoor, but moving from like guys like KJ Martin and all that. Um, yeah, and really getting the ball out of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green's hands, which I think is <laughs> um, immediately going to make the team better in a lot of ways. Not even just because Paulo's good, just because the ball they'll have less time to mess things up uh, especially kevin porter uh, kevin porter jr i'm sorry but um yeah I, th- I think that's that's big i'm i'm pretty happy with this honestly i i don't really have too many complaints i think paulo's got a really high ceiling and i think he can be a solid defensive player it's just a question of does he want to be yeah, of course. He's like 19. You got all this time to develop him. Uh, you've already seen the offense from him, and I'm sure defense is something you can develop in him. Um, but I mean, like when you're drafting in the top three, typically the first overall people that are selecting first, uh, you know, all the pressure's on them. You don't want to draft a bust. And right now in this draft, it seems like it is the three-headed big monster. Uh, at the top three, it's like going to be a, bi- a big each each of those picks. And basically the Rockets are taking the big that... Uh, the other two teams didn't want, so the pressure's off them, and it's like the safest choice. So you're not gonna have too many people uh, like complaining about that. Uh, and I mean, Paul is gonna prove why he wa- he's gonna try and prove that he was the best one out of the three. Which I mean, I don't know how likely it is, but I mean, he's got that kind of drive to do that. And Chet Holmgren or whoever goes one is gonna be like all eyes on them in terms of whether they were a worthy pick over Jabari or Paulo. Um, so this is where it kind of gets more interesting. Uh, we already had a clear-cut top three, uh, I think, uh, for who's getting selected. But for the fifth season in a row, uh, since these new odds were introduced, um, the seventh uh, odds before the lottery balls were picked always jumps into the top four. And uh, the Kings did it. Kings did it uh, this year, which I, I called. Um, and uh, I mean... I'm quite disappointed. I, I didn't want this to happen, but the Kings are number four. Um, Sabonis, my favorite player, representing them at the draft lottery. Seemed pretty happy about that, but it looks like the Kings uh, will be getting one of Shadon Sharp, Keegan Murray, or uh, Jaden Ivey. Uh, I'm really hoping, as a Pacers fan, uh, I am praying that they take Keegan Murray so Indiana gets one of those guards. But, uh, I mean... Great for Kings fans, uh, but honestly, like I can really see them taking Keegan Murray from a non-biased standpoint, just because they've already done this two-guard thing with Tyrese and and Fox, and then they also have Davion. So, I mean, you see, you've seen the potential that Davion had when Fox was out, um, and I don't know if they take another guard. They could get Keegan Murray as their as their wing to put beside Sabonis. I don't know. I don't think it's out of their own possibilities. Kings also are notoriously, uh, like, they've made some pretty bad draft decisions. So um, I can definitely see them taking Keegan Murray, um, which I'm, I'm hoping they do. But 
uh, I think they're probably going to take Ivy uh, no matter what happens, I'd say. I think that's the next best guy available. But, um, I mean, if they want a forward, they're taking Murray. Um, But, I don't know, you're shaking your head, so let's let's hear what you got to say here. Let me be like a let me be like a Charles Barkley on TNT when I say I guarantee that Keegan Murray will not be picked number four by the Kings. Uh, there's just no way they do that. Um, I'm my like I'm guessing they'll take Sharp. That's just my guess of what's gonna happen because Sharp is a big guard wing type th- type thing. Um, yeah, there's just no way. There's no way they take Keegan Murray. I think if you're taking Keegan Murray, you immediately have to like look in to see what the ownership or management are doing. Are they like genuinely trying to purposefully just destroy their own franchise? But um, Keegan's really good and all. Like I'm not saying in that way. It's just why would they ever do that? Um, honestly, it wouldn't totally surprise me if the Kings traded out of this pick or at least tried to, uh, because for some reason they think that they should be making playoff pushes. But whatever. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they tra- at least traded down, but um, the Ivy f- the Ivy Ivy is pretty clearly the best player remaining o- outside the top three. But yeah. next to Fox and Davion, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, my guess is they'll take Sharp and bet on his high ceiling, but um, Keegan Murray absolutely no chance. And I think I think uh, yeah, there's 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 no way. I guarantee it. I think there is a high odds. They they really want to contend um, for some reason. The Kings do want to contend. They want to make the playoffs. Yeah, contend for a playoff. They contend for a playoff spot. And that's something that they're, they've been adamant on doing, trying to do that with Sabonis, and didn't pan out exactly how they wanted to. But um, uh, I can definitely see them. There's been a lot of rumors trading down um, to get their guy. And um, a team on the opposite end of that spectrum is the Pacers are trying to move up, apparently. So... I don't know if they do another deal with Indiana because of how badly they got fleeced, but I can, uh, I'm can. i hoping the Pacers make as many calls as they can to get this pick and move up. Uh, a realistic thing I can kind of see them getting from Indiana, maybe, would be like, well, since they're trying to compete for a playoff spot, maybe they want um, Duarte in the sixth pick for the fourth pick just to trade down to get, like, I don't know, maybe they take Keegan Murray at six. But... Um, I know uh, it's, I don't know who they'd want from Indiana, maybe another future pick as well with that, but if I'm Indiana, I'm making all the calls there. Um, Let's move on to the fifth pick, um, with the Pistons taking uh, fifth overall. I think if if the Kings end up trading or taking sharp, the Pistons are probably going to be the biggest winners of the draft, Uh, just a result of Ivy falling to them at five. Um... the Ivy Cade fit would be like on offense at the at least. I'm not I'm not gonna think about the defensive side of it, but on offense that would be that'd be something. Uh, that would be something. I mean, a I like if you could mesh a guard of like uh, if you could like mix like kind of I don't know combine Cade and Ivy. You have like the perfect point guard possible. Um, but I think that would be like an incredible backcourt. Uh, Ivy's so fast. He's so good in transition. Uh, he d- lacks like the half-court offense creation. 
especially for others that Cade is obviously so good at. Um, I, 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 I like that fit would be perfect defensively. Let's not worry about it. Um, after all, basketball is a game of whoever scores the most points, not whoever. Well, I guess it depends how you look at it. But if you score more than the other team, you'll win every single time. So <laughs> score 150 points a game, and I guarantee you will win many games. But, um, yeah, I think that fit would be just in, absolutely incredible. Uh, it would be really fun to watch, too, because I think some of the times, like, Cade's really good and all that, but he's not the fastest. He's not the most mobile. I think I think the Pistons missed out on opportunities this season in transition when they could have scored. And imagine you can just throw it to one, probably the second he comes into the league, one of the fastest guys in the NBA, and you can just drive and... He'll, he does a really good job of hitting guys in the corner, even though sometimes I do think he needs to slow down because he does miss it, does miss it and tries to do some, like, make some, like, highlight play, dunk on, like, four people when really that wasn't the best idea in the world. But young guard can't really say too much about it. Um, but just one thing about Ivy that I want to say, this isn't a slight on him or anything, but I think the Ja Morant comparisons are just lazy. Uh, there's a lot of guards that are fast that drive and then kick it out. Not every single one is Ja Morant. Like, why do you not compare him to De'Aaron Fox? Why Ja? Is it just because of the hair too? Um, like, it's 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 like that. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, like I can kind of see it, but it's not that great of a comparison. They're not super super similar. But um, I th- I think Ivy's got more off ball off ball ability than, sorry, not right now, but off ball potential than Ja Ja does. I think Ja's much better with the ball in his hands though and just generally a much better player than ivy but um yeah i'm not a huge fan of the comparison but if the if this can works out for the pistons then really like out of every team in the top five they're probably the happiest uh yeah which kind of leads me to my disappointing outcome of my favorite team indiana uh fell one spot in the draft to six um Quite disappointing uh, to me, but I do have some uh, faith that the Pacers don't take Keegan Murray and they take an, a younger guy like uh, kind of the guys that I've got my eyes on are obviously Ivy and Shade on. If somehow they fall to a six, that would be awesome, or we move up. But uh, I like A.J. Griffin. Uh, I know the Pacers have been already talking with, uh, right after the lottery actually happened, Rick Carlisle and uh, Kevin Pritchard were talking with Benedict Matherin. Um, which I mean, like, it's a good option. Like I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, but I know he's projected to go somewhere like seven to 10. Um, but if we walk away with a guy like AJ Griffin or Benedict Matherin, I I would not be mad in the slightest. Um, Keegan Murray, like if we take him, um, I, I mean, I'd still, I wouldn't like do what I did with Chris Duarte and just be super mad, but I'd kind of just see, like, kind of try and see what the what Kevin Pritchard is trying to do with the roster. And, I mean, I kind of trust him. Like, Keegan Murray does have potential for sure. Um, but uh, ideally, I'm looking for another guard to put with Tyrese Halliburton or, like, a, a wing like uh, Griffin. But, um, I mean, not the outcome I was looking for. I was really hoping we could uh, jump up into that top uh, four spot, which is still possible. Um which they should be making all the calls in the world to do. But I think this team, the future for Indiana, is still bright. I think they got a few, a couple more years uh, trying to uh, hit in the draft lottery, um, at least next year for sure. 
Um, but uh, number six is uh, where they're at. Uh, moving on to number seven was the Trail Blazers. Do you have something to say about Indiana? Okay, let's uh, let's hear it. Um, just just about the Pacers quickly. AJ Griffin, Benedict Matherin, both really good options. Uh, I prefer Matherin personally, but um, I also wouldn't like. Uh, I think you've got to. I think you've got to think of like drafting around the team you have right and i think a guy that they should look at uh, i'm gonna totally I, I don't i don't know how to say this from baylor uh jeremy i assume it's just like sochan or something like yeah um i think i think he won six man of the year for his conference or something like that but really really good defensive player really really good defensive player um i think he'd translate well as a defender to the nba as well i think that's just someone they should keep an eye six might be a little too high for him but um, I know I think that'd be a cool fit on the Pacers next to next to Tyrese and uh, I guess Malcolm if he's still on the roster. But no, he's gone. He's gone. but um, yeah, I think I think that'd be a cool fit, and I think he's got more more potential as an offensive player than some other guys too, or that just he's even given credit for. Um, the sh- the shot off the dribble from him looks pretty promising, but uh, yeah, I just think that's another guy to keep an eye on at that spot. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about him. Uh, a lot of people are high on him. Um, but the Pacers also do have the 31st pick, which is uh, pretty good from your favorite team. Um, which, I mean, hey, it's not far out of the first round. I mean, you can get some hidden gems there. Uh, I mean, I'm very excited for this draft, obviously. First time Pacers have had a single-digit pick since 1989, I believe, uh, which is crazy. Uh, stuck in mediocrity for... That long is pretty incredible, but um, yeah, I'm hoping we take a, uh, a good guard to pair Tyrese. Ideally, I'm looking for um, some some more offense uh, at the guard position to put beside Tyrese because Tyrese has played a little passive as a pacer. Uh, there's times where it'll only take like seven shots in a game when you're looking at this as your guy, your franchise guy, um, which obviously he'll develop because he's only like 22 years old. I think he just turned 22. So, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to put a score. That's why I wanted to put a guy like Shadon or Ivy beside him. But, obviously, that's not as likely. Um, moving on, we've got the Trailblazers, who I believe fell uh, in the draft. Um, and this is, uh, they're picking at seven. Uh, so, you've got guys like Keegan Murray, AJ, basically the same guys that the Pacers are looking at or the, would be looking at for the Blazers. Uh, Johnny Davis is another name that they could be looking at. But um, I don't know how I feel about this because the Blazers kind of need a bit of everything except for guard play, I'd say, because they got Anthony and Dame. So uh, let's let's hear what you guys say. Uh, I think the Trailblazers, if they even plan on keeping this pick, yeah. and if they plan on this guy being a part of their team, should really be hoping for AJ Griffin at seven. Um, honestly, I don't think the Pacers will take him at six. So I think they'll have a good, pretty good shot at getting him. I know he had some injury issues. I think it was his knee and ankle, um, but I think he's he's got like I th- one thing that I think he does pretty well is also like on offense is draw contact. I think he's got he's gonna be a guy who if you give him enough opportunity, get some free throws in. And I don't know how most people feel about this, but uh, I like when my scorers can get to the free throw line and get easy points. But really, the potential for him there on the Trailblazers is the fact that on defense, I think he could be really good for them. Uh, pretty like 
uh, I don't know how to say this, but he's pretty long. Um, yeah, he's he's he's. he's <laughs> yeah, he's he's lengthy. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, only only gonna be nineteen on draft day, something like that. Mm-hmm. Not an old player at all. Uh, on really good on ball defender. I think he needs to work on his off ball a little bit. I think he can lose his man a couple uh a little bit too often, especially if they're in the corner and kind of just ball watching. And then before you know, it, boom, his players in the pink and he's like up. But um, I don't think he, like I think the places two is gonna be a good place for him to develop. And then you've got like one Nas little and uh and and AJ on that team. I think two really good wing defender potential types i mean i wouldn't be too upset about rocking a lineup of like dame anfernee aj uh nas and then like i guess nurkic that kind of ruins it now obviously no no real hope of contending for anything but i think it'd be pretty okay it would be much better if they still had robert covington and norman powell on the team though uh yeah I, i i can see aj being their dream prospect at that spot um Next, we have the Pelicans, who managed to make the playoffs and still grab a top 10 pick. This is from the Lakers, I believe. Um, and this just adds to their already great core, uh, which what we're seeing uh, with Zion coming back next season, hopefully. Um, they're looking to add another guy that I think they should go for another guard um, to put along McCollum. You, you've seen that Devontae Graham uh, clearly isn't a good guy that you want to play more than 10 minutes in the playoffs. He was kind of getting... Like barely any time uh, on the court, he's more of a regular season guy. So maybe they look to add a guy like um, Dyson Daniels or um, Johnny Davis could land here. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean it's just great that they've got this pick. This is from the Anthony Davis trade, um, and it's just another young asset that they can add to this great young core that they've got going in New Orleans. Um, and just everyone's hoping that Zion's coming back next season. Um, obviously. One of the biggest boys in the NBA. So, um, yeah, just like my co-host. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, appreciate the comment. Um, I th- hope, I, I think the Pelicans are also another team that really hoping for one guy, and I think that's going to be Johnny Davis. Um, I don't think there's really a, like a point guard to take at this spot. And really, I don't know how much they need like a ball-dominant shot, like playmaking guard. I mean, I think Brandon Ingram showed really good impressive flashes of that as uh, like growing in that way this season uh johnny davis two-way presence really good two-way presence for them well could be a very good two-way presence for this pelicans team uh also just really really good like good score gets the free throw line needs to improve as a shooter from three um a little older i think he's what sophomore i think he's about 20 right now uh, good, really impressive mid-range shooter. Kind of reminds me of, uh, just from what I know, a little bit of Chris Middleton. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think that, I think he'd be really good for them. I think he's also a really good off-ball defender. I mean, like, if you've got, like, a defensive duo of Johnny Davis and, uh, and Herb Jones, it says a lot for, uh, for, uh, that Pelicans team. But the ninth pick, um, Spurs. Right, and this is where this is where you would really hope that Benedict Matherin falls. Yeah, Benedict Matherin, if he somehow manages to fall to here, 
uh, backcourt of Matherin and DeJounte would be stupendous, I think. Yeah, this is a spot that um, would be great because we've seen that the Spurs are very good at developing players. I mean, uh, it looks like Popovich is probably staying another season, uh, which would be great for him, being one of the best coaches in NBA history. Um, it's shown to develop players like uh, guys that they get typically later in the draft, like Manu. Um, but, I mean, another guard that you can put beside DeJounte Murray, uh, and a young one at that, uh, Benedict Matherin, is uh, going to be 19 around the start of this season? 20. He's 20? He is 20. Oh, I thought he was younger. Anyways, um, but I guess he, 20's still young, uh, of course, uh, and that'll be 20 at the start of the season, um, I'm assuming. But, uh, yeah, I'd like this fit for them. I can also see them going with, uh, like, Jalen Duran at this pick as well because uh, I know there have been some rumors about them moving on from Jakob Pertl, so uh, I'm not sure what route they go here, but um, I don't know. The Spurs are usually pretty good at drafting. I don't know about the... Primo pick the la- was that last season. Uh, still gotta see how uh, Primo pans out because he's super young too. I don't even know if he's twenty yet. I think he's nineteen. He was the youngest player in the draft last year, so um, I know he started a handful of games for them last season too, towards the end. Um, but yeah, who's next? Uh, it was the Wizards. Wizards. Um, I don't really have an opinion on on this. I know they have a log jam of front court players. Uh, so is this a good spot for Dyson Daniels, would you think? Ignite. He was on Ignite, I believe, right? Australian. I don't like Dyson Daniels. Not a fan. Um, the logjam isn't too bad in the front court. Gafford. Gafford. Ryan. Oh, I oh, you're talking about Biggs? Yeah. Oh, Biggs, yeah, sure. Like, they, they wouldn't take Duran here or anything if he fell. But, um... Here's a spot where I wouldn't be totally against taking us Sochan. I mean, really wings. You've got like Kispert, Denny. Um, oh, oh, right. I forgot about Rui. Yeah. I don't care about Rui. <laughs> he sucks. Um, Sochan, Denny. A little front court of uh, Denny and Sochan together. Maybe, maybe a little something worth worth investigating. Um, especially Denny. You know, we all know what potential he has. Very little, um, but uh, yeah, I think that I I don't know I don't I don't want I don't really know what I would do if I were the Wizards here to be honest. Um, it depends what happens with Beal really. Like if you can get a commitment from Beal, probably try to package this pick with someone like Denny, and try to get like a one of those like borderline borderline star guys, like not quite borderline star but almost there. And um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know what I would do here to be honest if I were them. Um, and then at 11, we have the Knicks. So this pick res- relies a lot on what happens with Mitchell Robinson. Because if Mitchell Robinson is not in the Knicks next season, then you take Duran if he's here, 100%. No hesitation about it. If he is, though, then it gets more complicated. And honestly, I don't even know if Duran's 100%. Maybe you take, like, Mark Williams. But probably Duran. Um... But yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you would do uh, if uh, if Mitchell Robinson's on the team. It really depends on who's left, right? Like who's left out of those like earlier wings or something like that. I don't think you would reach and take like Ochai Agbaji here. I think this is too high for him. And honestly, I just don't think he's as good as everyone else. Maybe you take Dyson Daniels, 
maybe, but still not sure. Uh, or even like, who's that guy from New Zealand? Like Usman Diang. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I honestly, I don't know anything about him. But uh, yeah, if, if Mitch Robinson's on the team, you take Jalen Duran. Yeah, I can see uh, Jalen Duran landing there. Uh, which you just said about Usman Diang. Uh, I kind of like that pick for the Thunder, who are next. Uh, and I think that it's just a perfect landing spot for him, like being a, a lengthy forward uh, with like kind of raw potential. I'd, I'd say uh, I don't know much about him. But I think this is a good spot for the Thunder to take him. Um, and I think at this point in the draft, you're kind of just shooting for, um, I mean, like this draft, maybe you're shooting more in the dark for, or for good role players and stuff. But I'd like that pick for the Thunder. But for 13 and 14, the Hornets and the Cavs, I do have an ideal pick that I'd like to see go there. Uh, Mark Williams, who you mentioned for the Knicks, I'd really like to see in Charlotte because I feel like it's a, it's, a good, it's a good big for... They just drafted one. What? They just drafted a big last year. Who? Charlotte drafted a big? Yes. Do you not remember? No. After Book. After Book night. Who'd they draft as a big? La- they have Montrezl Harrell and Mason Plumley. No. Who do they have? No, no, no. Oh, right. Uh, Kai Jones, right? They have Kai J- But I still like, see, I think Mark Williams is the perfect player for them. Like a big NBA ready center, I'd say, that can defend the paint, which is something that they didn't have. And it seemed like every center would beat up on that Charlotte Hornets team. Um, but I think that Mark Williams should come and immediately be a factor or a, a good player for that team. Uh, I like his like defensive ability and potential. Um, don't know much about his offensive game, but I, I've heard like good things about his defense. And then for the Cavs, you mentioned uh, man, I'm gonna butcher this name. The guy that was on the Kansas team, uh, Ochai, yeah, o- Ochai. Uh, I like that pick for the Cavs because they're already a good team. And um, just adding another guy that can score at ease, another wing player. Um, I guess like he probably has more confidence. He'll come in with good, good enough confidence to shoot. Like uh, Okoro doesn't have much confidence, it seems, to shoot the ball consistently at a high clip. But um, let's hear your your takes on those. I like Kai Jones, so I definitely wouldn't take Mark Williams. Um, I think Kai Jones just didn't really get much of a chance last season which whether you think that's fair or not is up to you but um with the Cavs I think the Cavs like do you remember a few years ago when the Nuggets were at the 14th pick and they took uh Michael Porter Jr and they got they did that well at least partly due to the fact that they knew that they were good enough to be a playoff team they just didn't really like they just needed just another year to make the playoffs right and um i think the same thing is going to come to play with the Cavs here and i think this is where you probably take dyson daniels if he falls because they missed the uh, guard play of ricky rubio a lot after he went down uh, i don't know what they're going to do with if because if he's coming back or not but um and then obviously you've got the whole sex and thing so you probably need I, well where was he rubio yeah, and, and they missed Rubio after he went down, right? No, no, like if he, well, he, isn't his contract up after this year? Yeah. So he could come back after he comes healthy. But, um, yeah, so if if Rubio does end up back in Cleveland, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but they, they need a guard play, right? And so, and I don't, I don't like Ochai. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as other people do. I'm really low on him. Like, I wouldn't even be totally against letting him fall to, like, early 20s, mid-20s, 
even though some people have them in like the mid-teens. Well, most people. But um, yeah, I think Dyson Daniels would be interesting experiment because I think the Cavs are good either like with or without whoever they take at this pick. So why not take a hit uh, like a punt on someone like that? Yeah, I think they could take a high potential guy at this pick as well. Um, Cavs are already like I think they'll probably make the playoffs next season. They'll have more luck getting a higher higher seed. Um, but uh, I have no doubt in my mind that that Cavs team is still going to be good regardless of who they take. Uh, so that's it for the lottery. Don't really have to talk about the rest of the draft there. Um, we do have a little bit of conference. I'm not going to talk too much about the playoffs in this episode, but uh, with the series that I've been uh, paying more attention to, because I must admit I haven't watched a lot of this conference finals but uh, on both sides, but uh, the Warriors-Mavs, uh, Warriors go up 3-0. Um, and it seems like Luca's dropping like 40 every single game, which is crazy. Uh, in this last game, game three, uh, Reggie Bullock was 0 for 10 after having a great two for, uh, series against the Jazz and the Suns. Uh, he just totally disappeared, uh, and he hasn't really been good in the series as a whole, but especially in that game three, 0 for 10, Maxi Kleber, 0 for 5. And it just seemed like literally Brunson, Spencer, and Luca were the only ones scoring the ball. A little bit of Dorian Finney-Smith, but like... They put up like a combined like those three guards. I think they put up like a hundred points or something combined, uh, which is nuts. Just they're this, those three guys, and if they're not like hot, then you're not gonna have a chance of winning the game. Which sucks. Like this Mavs team really needs a center, and I know like I'm hoping for Mavs fans that they don't try and run it back and say that Tim Hardaway Jr. is like this missing guy that they need. But um, hopefully they go out there and grab a center like. Even like getting a guy like JaVel McGee would be good, great for them, especially in the playoffs. I feel like JaVel McGee would give them a way better chance against this Warriors team. Um, and I think they need like a more uh, a center that can play better defense because Kevon Looney is feasting on this Mavs team as well. Uh, same with Wiggins too. But um, Kevon Looney's been absolutely stellar against this Mavs team because he's kind of given that opportunity to be more aggressive uh, on offense. Um due to the fact that he's not being, like, doesn't have, like, a Bama the bio in the paint that he's dealing with, but uh, more of a <laughs> Dwight Powell getting, like, 12 minutes a game or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Mavs, Mavs uh, definitely overachieved this season, for sure. Uh, didn't expect them to get past even the Suns, but they did, which is very impressive. Uh, I like what they have going. Uh, I mean, it was a good season for them overall. Uh, proved a lot uh, about, like, how good Luka uh, can be in the postseason, which we haven't got to see a lot of. Um, and I think this is the Warriors uh, going to get a little more rest uh, going into the finals because, um, I mean, if they can close this out in four games, uh, I can still see that Heat-Celtics game uh, series going to maybe even seven. So uh, good thing. they like, I mean, they are an older team, so getting guys like Steph, Clay, and Draymond, getting them as much rest as they can before they – give it their all in the finals would be uh would be a great thing for them and put them at a i'd say i'd like to say that's a significant advantage um yeah uh, you can kind of say your thoughts about this series and then we'll slide into the next series feels bad for spencer dinwiddie my boy spencer he did what he could well so far he has done what he can they had no hope going into this one though um yeah like you said they de- they overachieved this season. I don't think anyone expected them to beat Phoenix. Um, yeah, I don't even think they expected to beat Phoenix. But um, 
yeah, like there's not really two. I, this has kind of gone the exact way most people expected it to go. The Warriors are just simply a better team from top to bottom. They're well, they're better constructed. They know what they're doing in this type of environment. I mean, was it that first round series not Luca's like first playoff series win? So it's like they're a little new to this, and I mean Spencer Dinwiddie can only do so much. But um, yeah, no big play is huge. Like having to run Bertons as your base guy on the court for stretches is really bad because he is bad. <laughs> and um, so yeah, like it it's just it's just the way it's all ex- it's all like everyone thought it would pan out. Um, one thing for the Mavericks though, it's kind of worrying. Is like, like, where do you exactly go from here? Uh, you're gonna have to pay Brunson this off season big money that's assuming he stays so let's 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 be positive let's assume they, he stays how do you fix these issues that uh that the Warriors just kind of totally like brutally expose you for because Luca Luca's great and he's been playing great but they're still not winning any games so and I don't think you need this like massive roster overhaul or anything like that I think you just need a few pieces um from being able to contend against this Warriors team but um, yeah. Like I don't really, I don't really know how you would get these. Like you said, Javale McGee. I think he's but maybe like Javale McGee like four years ago. But now it's kind of a bit late for that. Mitchell Robinson, Robinson uh, maybe, maybe it depends how confident you are in developing him as a rim runner. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. But how much money would he ask for? Because I don't think the. 15 is probably a bit high for Mitchell Robinson. Maybe 10? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Mitchell Robinson, not the worst idea, actually. But, um, yeah, no, that's actually pretty... That's, that's not bad. But still, more wing defenders, I think. Uh, more, like, guys that can guard, like, 2 to 4. Just guys like that on the team. Luca needs to be able to hold his own on the defensive end of the ball, which he's shown... A little flashes of not long not enough but he's shown he's shown that he's capable which is just something to build off of but um yeah aside from that uh i think you got most of it in this series the other uh, eastern conference finals has been a lot more entertaining i think uh heat celtics so so good so the heat are an incredible basketball team and so are the celtics but the heat are kind of like playing bully ball against the Celtics. At least they did in the last game for sure. Um, it's just something that the Celtics can really keep up with. Uh, the Marcus Smart. Did you see that? how Marcus Smart went down though? Marcus Smart got hurt. And that is huge. Because he is obviously a massive piece of that team. And he had the crazy, crazy earlier part of the series. That, that game that he played. Um, yeah, no, that, that would be... That's, that's really bad. I mean, if he's out for the series. Which it didn't look pretty. Um, if he's out for the season, then it's probably really big for the Heat. The Heat are just, I mean, Jimmy Butler, man. Holy Jimmy Butler, a franchise player. Who would have thought? A guy who's taking your team to the finals potentially for the second time with, yeah, Bam's a star, like an all-star, but like, he's not a, he's not a star star, right? And, um, I mean, who would have thought Jimmy Butler is taking your team as the lone star on the team to the NBA Finals. Now, to be fair, it's also probably the, if not the best, the second like the second best put together team in the NBA. 
I mean, uh, only behind the Warriors, I can really say that though they has a have a better constructed roster than them. And Spolstra is obviously massive. Bam, Tyler Harrow, even a guy like Kyle Lowry, Oladipo, Struess, Gabe Vincent, not names I would ever expect to say in this in this context. But um, yeah, so good, so good, so like they're so violent. I like they they're just genuinely violent. Like they beat other teams and i don't just mean like win against them they beat other teams like physically and i don't know it kind of reminds me of like what when uh old older older nba fans kind of talk about like this is real basketball i assume this is what this is the heat team that they're talking about yeah jimmy's been very aggressive uh especially like backing down uh his defender in the post Something that's huge for them that adds a lot to their offensive coordination. But uh, like even guys like Oladipo, who maybe the stat sheet doesn't show it as much, but he's been really great for them. Um, and like one of these key pieces to these playoff runs, which is awesome. He's been stepping it up, uh, which is a good story after being having a really bad injury in Indiana, then injuring himself again when he just got traded to the Heat. So um, good story for him, and he's been great for them. Uh, but yeah, I, regard, regardless, I can kind of see this going to either six or seven, uh, and I don't really. I mean, if Marcus Smart's gone, I think that's GG's for the the Heat because that's a huge, huge, huge player for that Celtics team. But um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. We'll kind of see where it goes. We already know who won the West, so uh, it's basically Warriors versus one of these teams in like six or seven. So. Um, we do have some other things to talk about, though, um, regarding the all-defensive teams. Uh, so the uh, Shams uh, announced the 2021-2022 NBA all-defensive teams. So on the first team, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Mikhail Bridges, Rudy Gobert, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart, uh, who also, Marcus Smart, won the NBA Hustle Award. Uh, whatever that is, but he won it. Um, and then the second team is Bama DeBio, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Matisse Thibel, and Robert Williams. Um, I feel like at least on the... First of all, I think Draymond Green should have been bumped up to the first team. And then uh, on the second team, I think that Matisse shouldn't have really been there. I think that like Herb Jones, I think, should have been there in that spot at least. Um, but, uh, I mean, expected candidates, I, I'd say... I can't really think of anyone who's missing off the top of my head. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. surprised me a little bit for first team, for sure. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see that where Draymond would be there, but um, I don't know. Uh, what are your opinions on this? I like I like the first team. I don't really have too many complaints with it. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything to say about the first team. I mean, obviously, you've got the three candidates for the award, and then, uh, and then two other guys. And I think, I think they did a good job voting for it. Second team, I think, is good as well. Aside from Matisse, um, Matisse is a bench player that they have to keep off the court in big situations because he's just such a such a negative offensively, right? And that's why supposedly the Sixers are uh, are open to trading him. Which is pretty different from what you even saw like around the Harden trade time where they were pretty set on keeping him, but his just lack of development offensively has just totally like hampered his NBA career so far. Uh, he's just such a big like he it's when when it's on offense with him on the court, it's practically four v five, and uh, his his mega defensive like 
off-ball defensive ability is something to note. His mega off-ball defensive ability and like pretty good on-ball defensive ability is just not worth it. Um, so, so I would put Herb Jones over him for sure. Like no hesitation about it. I think if Herb was a, like a third-year player instead of a rookie, he would have definitely made the team over him anyway. So, which is kind of unfair. Well, not not kind of. It is really unfair. But um, yeah, like. Matisse might not even he's a player his team is looking to give up like you don't look to give up a top 10 defender in the NBA right um yeah no I, I, I'm i aside from that though I think they're pretty fair uh Robert Williams he's just a victim of Rudy Gobert being in the NBA or else he would have been on the first team probably but uh yeah aside from that like really I think I think that's good um but another bit of news which is pretty like random I guess Tim Connolly, what was it like? He's like the big executive for the Nuggets, right? President of basketball, something, something along those lines, and um, just signed for the Timberwolves on a what was it five year, forty million dollar contract. So he's now one of the most high, like if not the highest paid executive, one of the highest paid executives in the NBA, which is pretty cool. Uh, I didn't think we would ever get executive contract news, but I guess we are. I mean, he's ma- like if he's massively responsible for building, putting this Nuggets team together, then it makes sense why the Timberwolves would want him now. Because now that Timberwolves actually have something susta- sus- like substantial on the roster, they uh, they don't want to mess it up. And uh, I think this is going to be really big for them this offseason. If he's the guy you're putting in charge of, like dealing with whatever happens with D'Lo and all that. But um, I think that's pre- I think it's pretty cool. I don't know where the like. Their general manager Calvin Booth is now assumed to lead basketball operations. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I, I can't really comment too much on him because I don't really know what he's done or what he's exactly responsible for. That Tim Connolly didn't have uh, much role in, but it seems like this is really big for the Timberwolves. I mean, which makes sense because really now you've got like Anthony Edwards, you've got your Jared Vanderbilt and all that, which very important piece of a contending team by the way you've got cat um yeah so i guess i guess his big job this offseason is going to be uh what happens next with delo yeah um definitely some moves the wolves can make to uh kind of push their ceiling a little bit more in the playoffs i don't know if that means moving delo i'm assuming that's what they're kind of going to be looking at for sure uh he only has uh i think next season and the season after that under contract but um, I don't know. I, I think they definitely should look to move him. I don't know if it's for another guard. Uh, likely, I guess that would be the situation because I guess then it would be Edwards and uh, I can't. Do they have any other guards? Not really, no. Bev. Oh, yeah, right. Patrick Beverly. But Patrick Beverly only has one more year left. And he's like, apparently he wants to play for the Lakers. I don't know why he said that. He wants to play with LeBron. But um, that's interesting. Um don't really know what to say about this because I'm not like a fan of NBA executive presidents, so I couldn't tell you my opinions on all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of other news, you have Jawan Howard rejecting the Lakers coaching head coach offer uh, that he was given. He doesn't want to coach there. Um, the Lakers are still very interested in Doc Rivers, even though uh, the Sixers, Daryl Morey said that he was going to keep Doc Rivers, I believe. So I don't, that's a weird thing for the Sixers, but I don't know why the Lakers would want him either. But yeah, I think that's, is that it for the news? 
um, that's about it. So I think we can wrap it up here. Um, have a great rest of your evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening. And thanks for tuning in to The Playbook. We'll catch you next week.